0: Man, it's been a while since we've done this, eh? Hey? It has, okay. I know. I almost get nervous.
1: <laughs> Hi,
0: everyone. Welcome to Dead House. It's uh, It's been a little bit. It
1: has. This is our first episode of this year. This year, yeah. 2019? Yep, 2019, yep. I don't know what imaginary
0: calendar we were
1: looking at (laughs) over there, but (laughs) Um,
0: we're okay. It's fine. Um, I mean, we didn't do this on a super tight deadline or anything like that all at the last second, no? No. No, 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 it's fine. This is well in advance. Don't worry about it. (laughs) We planned. (laughs) Um, In the uh, meantime... Um, we did have an update about
1: our last book we did. We did! Um, I found the difference um, in the UK version and the American version. So if you missed it on Twitter and on the YouTube comments, this is it. This is the big reveal. Yeah. Um, in the UK book they say plaster because that's what they call the bandages. Um, but in the American one they specifically mention a particular brand. Yeah, they say Band Aid. That's crazy.
0: It was a brand drop. Yeah, there's a whole lot of brand drops in Goosebumps, I've noticed, because yep. they did mention Silly Putty one time before. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned again in today's book. Yep. When we're looking at Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, book number five. We are. And. I gotta say, um, there's a couple brand drops in this one. I've been noticing now whenever it's specific brands because that's not really commonly done in fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm wondering if it's like actual brand deals he had at the time, I don't know. Um, mm. But I did make note of two brands that okay. came up in this.
1: Well, we'll have to get to that because I missed all the branding. Going through it.
0: For those that didn't know, we have done some research on this And brands are used in books when something is part of the public consciousness uh, to a point where it becomes a cultural touchstone as part of realism when things are set in our world. These common brands will often be mentioned. So that was pretty neat. It is in fact not brand deals and nothing to do with it. We do however still like to point out whenever we see brands in the books just because we find it interesting. Um like I said, they do mention Silly Putty by name I mean, as a brand in this. He compares something and says it seemed like Silly Putty, one of the uh, things his uncle's eating at the breakfast table. Oh, okay. Yep.
1: Mm. I remember that now. <laughs> I completely missed it when I was reading it, though. But I remember them talking about the foods and. So now that we're starting to talk about it, do you want to get into it? Sure. Um, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it's
0: just been so long. <laughs> Um so this one was published uh in nineteen ninety-three, specifically January of nineteen ninety-three. So timing. <laughs> <laughs> we planned that. <laughs> we don't plan anything. This is the big secret. <laughs> <laughs> um it is one of the original ones that I had as a kid.
1: Okay. Uh same for you. Or? Um I was familiar. If I had it here's my name, look, look took it for my cousin in itty bitty mandy writing. Mine belonged to somebody else. <laughs> and their name is inside the cover, but I'm not going to name drop. <laughs> um, so, I was right in
0: that I sort of remembered it, but I also didn't. There weren't a series of traps no. that he had to get out of. There, it seemed that way because he kept falling through things and it kept getting lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was right in that <clears throat> he is an ancestor of the pyramid, Somebody else was an ancestor of that particular pyramid. But he was an ancestor of
1: um, one of the other ones they mentioned first. The the He was like a, an Egyptian descendant. Like yeah. All of his grandparents were Egyptian. And yes. His parents were born in the U.S. And then he was the second generation.
0: But um, there were a lot of Egyptian ties. And his dad does allude to the fact when they're looking at the pyramid in the beginning that, like, you know... Their ancestors helped build it and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and they're related somehow. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't exactly what I thought it was, so... No. I, I definitely haven't. confused it <clears throat> with other media from childhood. <laughs>
1: um, I didn't remember this one. I thought I would, but... The more I read it, the more things
0: started to, like, click a little bit into, like, how it was different from what I had originally thought it was yeah. in my premise. Uh but let's, uh, let's
1: dive right in. Do you want to take us off with our plot? Sure. Um, the luckiest kid ever alive, had his parents take him to Egypt for Christmas vacation. Like nobody goes to Egypt for Christmas vacation from the like this side of the world. Not usually, no.
0: no. And that's an amazing opportunity. Huge. Apparently they were having business trips near Christmas because of their refrigeration company. And whenever they go on really big, long business trips to other places in the world, they always take him with them,
1: which is, like, freaking phenomenal. Fortunate. So they're in Egypt, and um, he's kind of bored. He just keeps talking about how he wants something to drink, and he's thirsty, in the sand, and the sun. And his mom's all about looking at the pyramids and taking it all in. And his dad is looking at the guidebooks and popping trivia at him, and he's just like, guys, give me a drink. I'm, I'm
0: sorry, but, like, <sighs> two things about that. One, he was a bit whiny. Oh, yeah. And he was self-aware, at least. That he was being whiny. Yeah. Um, He sort of got a one-track mind on him about, like, wanting to have something to drink. To be fair, his parents didn't really explain it wasn't an opportune moment to get something to drink, and that he would have to wait. They just both said, not now.
1: And they should have brought water with them. Like, they're in the desert. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe they ran out or something. I don't know,
0: but the point was... (laughs) They should have probably explained that a little better why he had to wait, and maybe he would have been a little less insistent. Yeah. Because I mean, I know the point is that you know if your parents say something, you're supposed to do it regardless of the reason. But it helps, especially when you're young, to like say, "Oh, well, we can't right now because of."
1: Yeah. <clears throat> like, look around, kid. Do you see a quarter story? Do You <laughs> see like a fountain here in the desert, and there's a pyramid. There's like nothing here around. You yeah. Can be water. Um. So relax for a couple minutes. Pretty much. Um, uh, after they're done viewing the Great Pyramid and the camels, they go back to their hotel room in Cairo, and, uh, the parents get a phone call, like, kind of an emergency business meeting phone call. Yeah, so the business meeting was supposed to be at the end of the trip.
0: Right. After they, you know, met with relatives and stayed in Egypt for a bit, it was happening now, and they had to go, like, immediately.
1: And that's kind of a convenient plot, because... There's... Always a convenience or five in these, isn't but there? It <laughs> is, and that's immediately where my mind went because Gabe was so interested in meeting up with his uncle, his uncle Ben, his favorite uncle, and if he would have went on this business meeting with his parents that urgently got moved, he would have not seen his uncle, and that did not settle with him. He just, he was not happy, but his mom called the uncle, and the uncle agreed to take them on. In his care for a couple days. Because he had his daughter with him anyway, so he figured, eh, what's another
0: 12-year-old? They'll entertain each other.
1: Yeah, or let them drive each
0: other crazy, one of the two, right? Well, either way, they're busy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're busy and they're not in your hair.
1: (laughs) But at 12, too, there's not a lot of minding the children. Like, they can do things for themselves. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, you aren't
0: able to leave them alone for periods and stuff like that, which his parents do. Because they have to immediately leave and they're like, listen, it's going to be an hour before your uncle gets here. You'll be fine in the hotel room till then, right?
1: Yeah, um, these two 12-year-olds could have used a little bit more supervision. In some instances. In some instances. I mean, I understand why he was left, the
0: way he was with the parents. And she was in constant contact with her uncle, or well, her brother um, his uncle, and knew that he was absolutely on the way and he wouldn't be too long Yeah,
1: but I'm referring to, like, later on in the story that they could have used a little bit more. Later on,
0: too, like, in the pyramid, they shouldn't have gone anywhere. They should have known better. Right. I mean, that one wasn't really a lack of supervision. There were people,
1: workers, everywhere. But somebody should have known that they were leaving or that they had been gone for a couple minutes. Like, they got, based on the description of the book, a little bit too far. Yeah. Like, it, it, they were gone for a little bit too long before somebody was like, "No, hey. they were missing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, Gabe is waiting patiently for his uncle to arrive in the hotel. Um, he's only left there for an hour. Um, he He's watching TV. He's just kind of killing time. And- Plane is one of the other oh, two yes. brand jobs
0: besides Silly Putty was Game Boy. Yep. Specifically his Game Boy system.
1: Yeah. Yep. What she got bored
0: of. Yeah. Uh, manufactured by Nintendo. He even like name drops some of the early <laughs> launch titles like Tetris and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: And I read that and I didn't even pick up on the branding. <laughs> um, so Uncle Ben doesn't even knock on the door when he gets in. He just opens it and comes in all uh, donned in mummy um, wrapping. S- scares the ever Loving daylights out of this child. Oh, yeah, like he's gonna need like help like therapy on a couch and Sorry, that was amazingly hilarious Right. Yeah Um, Apparently
0: his uncle Ben is very much a practical Joker Mm -hmm. Um, but he's also very much a famous scientist Mm -hmm. and I say famous or at least renowned enough that they did a feature on them in National Geographic magazine, according yeah. to this. Yep, yeah. another name brought job. I know, Now I didn't <laughs> count that one as a brand, technically, because it's more of a scientific journal, but it's still kind of a brand, so... Yeah,
1: they could have said, like, a travel magazine or a scientific journal. Yeah,
0: they didn't have to say National Geographic by name.
1: Right. And you that, are right. And that's a name that a lot of people would be able to recognize yes because i like myself i used them for grade school projects right. we all did i mean there yeah. was an internet you
0: went to national geographic magazine in the library you're that kids there was no <laughs> internet <laughs> we just aged ourselves <laughs> um or i should say didn't... there there was but it wasn't easily accessible
1: internet right you went to you the library. library you did like it wasn't as um involved right now and like people didn't turn to the internet for everything they're still going to the libraries and the books and the magazines to get their project that's yeah. true yeah. it was there it was just not as popular
0: well yeah it was harder to get
1: yeah yeah and it was
0: much slower <laughs> <laughs> dial-up <laughs> we're going to do a couple of Wayback machines in this one because now that we had the internet and here's where you went and got journals kids <laughs> speech um we got another one later i made note of
1: <laughs> this is cold so this is one of the parts of the book that talks about Gabe's good luck charm
0: yeah it mentions as he's nervous and waiting yeah he plays with
1: his good luck charm right which is a mummy hand that he got at a garage sale
0: yeah in the US somewhere yeah no less like not
1: in Egypt (laughs) no so my mind immediately goes to okay this is like a little Plastic key ring thing that you get like a dollar machine and yeah And like everybody thinks it's fake even he thinks it's fake, but he's like maybe it's real But the person who sold it to them called it um, a A summoner. Yeah, a summoner. So because of that I looked this up
0: (laughs) Uh, Prepare to be schooled. uh, I know but I wanted to know if there was any real like history or lore to that. So a uh, summoner is not normally an object, it's normally a person, um, a type of sorcerer, mm-hmm. or someone that serves a summons okay. in ancient Greece for court, which is like where we get that tradition from apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right under it said summoner, you know, someone who can summon spirits and whatever, or like summon things to them. It <coughs> said instantly it was like, oh necromancer, here's a different mission of a necromancer. And I was like,
1: Well then,
0: this is connected to necromancy. Nice. Interesting. (laughs) I wonder where this is going. (laughs) So obviously I was like, okay, this hand is definitely gonna be a big deal.
1: Yeah, it's very important. And they casually reference it as being something that he carries around his pocket occasionally throughout the story. So you know that it's gonna be involved somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the kid Uh, who sold it to him at the garage sale, said supposedly it summons evil spirits. But I mean, if it's associated just loosely with necromancy, and we'll see this more when it does come into play later, it's not necessarily evil spirits that it summons, just spirits nearby.
1: It's not particular over if the spirit is good or bad. (laughs) No. (laughs) If you're a spirit and you're there, you're coming. Um, So Uncle Ben sees it, and he's like, what's this? It's not something he's familiar with. Which is kinda of cool since like he's a scientist and this is kinda of his field. So Uncle Ben tells Gabe and Sari that they will be going to the Great Pyramid under his watch. And Gabe is beside himself with pure joy.
0: Yeah, because Gabe like he's not interested in looking at guidebooks to find out information from his parents. Or even look at the looking at the pyramid from outside the distance yeah he wants to get close to it he Mm -hmm. wants to actually uh be involved and he does love mummies yeah and he even mentions but there's only one on display you know where he lives in his local museum
1: yeah he wants to get an explorer
0: yeah he wants to see like real stuff and Mm -hmm. like actually learn firsthand
1: Mm -hmm. so um uncle benton tells the kids about his findings the new uh, tomb area and the new uh, pathway, and they're really excited to go in because this hasn't been documented, this is not in the news, this is something that they're one of the first couple people seeing. And um, that kind of uh, sparks an issue, but we'll get to the problems later. Um, Gabe and Sherry are uh, told that one of the workers believes that through the discovery of this new area, That they have violated um, an ancient decree? Decree? Decree, yeah. Yeah, by entering the tunnel. So,
0: this is an old curse. Yeah. He doesn't say what the curse is or what's gonna happen to them. But, you're not supposed to go um, into this particular area of the pyramid because it's sacred.
1: Yes. And um, the pharaoh that reigned over this had put the decree on it and um it apparently is like the lore of it and this is where it starts getting into like the lore of the pyramid and um the connections and things that could happen um immediately when they started talking about the curse my mind went to the mummy and the uh the doors all shutting and the thing crumbling down i'm like ooh, what's going to happen here um not the same direction but no, still pretty good
0: and I kind of like the direction this takes. In fact, I kind of like the slow build of this book, mm-hmm. and how everything um, begins to add up like a mystery. Because yeah. it's still like a horror story, but it's not—it's not a supernatural one. Well, well, well not until the end.
1: Right? <clears throat> yeah. But there isn't a lot of supernatural elements either. No. Like we've dealt with the camera before, and. That thing was, like, supernatural all in itself. Which but is
0: in Monster Blood. Yeah. Like, there have been the ghouls in the first one.
1: Yeah. So this one gets pretty far into the book before it gets into anything. Yeah. hmm So, <clears throat> as they're going into the tunnel, uh, there is a hole in the floor that they need to get down to the level where the news tunnel is. And there's a rope ladder. Yes. Very safe. And they all go down the rope ladder, but um, Ben goes down first, and then Gabe is expecting the rope to be smooth, kind of like rope you see at a a playground or something. Yeah, and he thinks you can
0: slide on it, which is something you shouldn't do anyway, because let's face it, rope burn is a real thing.
1: Right, but that's not even the issue here. The rope was um, endy and prickly, so he immediately hurt his hands and let go.
0: Yeah, and lets go, and
1: starts to fall. But Sari is right there next to the... Tunnel, so she grabs him and... So as much of a pain that she comes off as, she doesn't mean any harm. No, and she's also not really that much of a pain. No, he just... and She torments Yeah,
0: but I've noticed <coughs> as we're going through this, he torments her just as much. Okay. And he talks about her being competitive, but he's way more competitive than she is. 12-year-olds, right? Right. Because anytime she does something, like she does like to kind of feel like she has one up on him, mm-hmm. but he's so much more competitive to the point where even things he's thinking in his head are just constantly, I have to show her up and do better and be better. And, like, he's way more competitive. It's
1: comparing, too. Like, not everybody has the same set of skills or talents or interests. Exactly. And he's constantly comparing himself. And so Sherry. They're all, like, comparing what they can do with each other and who's better at it. And, I mean, they're 12. They're at that age where they're going
0: to do that. Like, yeah. they're going to... Poke at each other. They're gonna to try to figure out which one of them is better or whatever. whatever. They're is, cousins,
1: yeah. right? When they get to the new area, uh, Uncle Ben or yeah, Uncle Ben gets caught up talking to one of the workers, Chrissy, mm-hmm. and the kids feel ignored. So Sherry has the idea of let's go and explore.
0: Yeah, because apparently the last time they were in there, she ducked out for a little bit um, when her dad was busy and came back. So. Sorry thinks it's fine to do again.
1: Yeah, and that's a little bit of foreshadowing too because she brings Gabe exactly to where she found the mummy's case. Yes. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing there. And that's the direction that she takes Gabe in. But Gabe um, lingers behind because his shoelace, which is notoriously coming undone, comes undone. Although, I gotta say, I really felt for him
0: because <laughs> I always had this one shoelace and I would double bow both of them but I always had this one shoelace on one side that would always keep coming undone. I remember that. Right? It was I so really epic. remember that. Even you remember yeah. that happening to me all the time as a child, yeah. like all the time. And it was just one. So it was, it was, and it was always the same one, yeah. it didn't matter how much I like, I would started triple bowing them at one point, my shoelaces used to look ridiculous and it was still <laughs> coming undone, like I don't understand. That's immediately where my mind went to when Gabe had to bend down and tie his shoe, I'm like, this is Mandy. <laughs> I felt so hard for him with the shoe thing. So I know it seems really implausible that always the same lace is going to come undone that often. But I am here to tell you, it, it, it is the God's honest <laughs> truth. That is a
1: real thing. It is. Yep. <laughs> and you have to watch out your friend for your friends that that happens too because they get lost behind all the time. True story. <laughs> um, so... Gabe kind of gets really worried and tries to catch up to Sari and Camp so he walks until he gets to the end of the tunnel where there's a little room, and then he gets so excited that there's a mummy casket there, and he starts looking at it, very intrigued, and then the cover moves, and it moves, and it moves in end. and it's like opening, <clears throat> and finally he screams and drops his flashlight, yep, and now comes Sari. Of
0: course it is. Yeah. And he's saying things like, oh, I don't think anyone's been here before. Oh, it's more stone than sand now, so I can't see footprints. And, But like, we knew it was going to be her. Yeah. And this is the second big jump scare of the book. Yep. Yeah, the first one was the uncle coming in the room. Yeah. <clears throat> because the door was slowly opening and he didn't know who it was or what was going on. And he mm. was convinced his uncle wouldn't just slowly open a door that he would just, he would knock yeah. or whatever. But, I mean, who would if he was going to play a practical
1: joke? Yeah, but hotel rooms, you can't just open the door and go on in. You need, like, a pass key or a key to get in. Right, and so, he hadn't thought about that. No, and that's immediately where my head went to. I'm like, okay, it has to be the parents. Who else has a key to the room? Right, oh, the uncle that they had a key left for. That's who else has a key for, to the room. Right. Um, so, uh, Ben hears the screams. And that's when he goes looking for the kids, or that's when he finds the kids and he's not happy.
0: No, and he's like, you know what, this is it for the day. I'm going to have to leave because I'm going to have to take you guys out because I can't trust you. He was like, I trusted you to stay still. I was talking to someone. It
1: was something important. I turn around and you're gone. And this is where I say the kids need more supervision. Like, they're 12-year-olds. They're in a place where it's very easy to get lost and hurt. And um, the... The need to explore their surroundings is a little too much for them to kind of be ignored in a place like this. Yeah, and but to be fair, they weren't really ignored,
0: and they shouldn't have found or waited for an opportunity to slip away. Which like, was what it seemed like. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he literally turned his back to talk to someone, and... Like, Gabe kept saying, oh, well, you know, but your dad said we should probably do the And she's like, no, it's fine. I did it yesterday.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, she shouldn't have done that yesterday either. No. She was lucky yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the next day, the next morning, Ben gets a call. This is the second convenient phone call that's happened. When they've made plans, they get ready to go to the plans, and then the plans are canceled because of a convenient phone call.
0: They informed, his uncle informs some of their plans over breakfast. This is going to be the next printing drop. Okay. They're having breakfast, and his uncle is saying, oh, well, I have a meeting at the Egyptian Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go, you know, have my meeting, and then this way you guys are able to, like, actually explore the museum. I'll be able to find you after. You can look at cool stuff. Yep. It doesn't Lots seem of mummies there. Yeah, seems awesome. Yeah." Um, sorry is eating frosted flakes. Name and drop. he specifically not only mentions frosting frosted flakes, but he talks about how, look, there's Tony the tiger on the box and everything. <clears throat> it's just all in Arabic.
1: Yep. And he wanted to take that home to to America to show his friends. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and is this where the And then he gets the phone call. Yeah, this is where he gets the phone call. And two workers have fallen ill. Yeah. So if he's just getting a phone call in the morning, they probably either fell ill the night before and they're just getting co- him contacted now, or they fell ill because they went to work really, really early.
0: I would say the night before, because remember, he left early in the afternoon. He did, so there's To bring the kids out, so there's lots of opportunity for them to have kept working yeah. and had something happen to them, and now they're in the hospital. and He's just being informed the next morning.
1: Right, and that could be it too, because he's not family. Right. He's,
0: mm-hmm. But he is their employer, so he would have to know before work that day Yeah, because otherwise he's going to wonder why they're not
1: there. Or it could be something toxic in the environment or dangerous that he would need to address exactly. to all people. But here's where we go back into the Wayback Machine again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because when he gets the call, he gets it on what he described yes. as, and hang on because I wrote down this description.
1: mentioned the telephone right there.
0: Oh, do I? Yeah, page 48, right? You found it for me. (laughs) I see the page number, I'm like, ooh, that's what I do. Um, An old-fashioned telephone with a dial instead of buttons. Kids wouldn't know what to do. And that's all he says about it. Now... Back then, that wasn't such an old-fashioned telephone, because not only did my parents have one, my babysitter had one, and the one my babysitter had was still an active one, like, plugged into the landline that she used. We had one that we used. Yeah. Um, I had, like, friends of the family, grandparents, stuff like that, that still had those phones around that they still actively used, Mm -hmm. while landlines were something that people used all the time. And this was in the mid-90s. This wasn't like... no. This is like past the date of this book and we were still using these phones. Nobody knows what to do now though. No. Actually, Chris actually stopped uh, rather recently, a couple days ago because he saw a react video where kids react yes. to how you're supposed to use one of those phones. So basically instead of buttons across the phone, there's a dial and it has all the numbers <clears throat> in the little holes. And so when you pick it up, you actually have to Put your finger where the number is, and you have to spin the number of times. And you have to wait for, for it to the to back. And you have to wait for it to click
1: all the way back before you spin again. Yeah. To... God help you, if you had a lot of nines in your number, you'll be there for three oh days. Oh my God, you would though, <laughs> because it took so long to rotate. Yep. Or a zero, because you know, that one wasn't the first number, that was the last one after the nine.
0: Yeah, so you had to go a whole way around the circle and, and I, hold I, it, I, and I, then click, 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 click,
1: click, click. Now, we have one because it was really vintage looking, but it still worked fine.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had one that mm-hmm. still worked. I mean, we didn't actively use it, but like, like I said, I had a babysitter. Um, and this would have been 94 or 5 at the time. And in addition to having, you know, phones with buttons on them, she still had one of those that she actually used. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, you did too. We did
1: too, Yeah. <laughs> So, um, Gabe and Sari are told to stay either in the room, which they kick up about, or as far as the hotel lobby. Yes. Um, He knows they're going to want
0: to wander a bit and probably not be stuck in a room, Mm -hmm. so he's like, you can wander around the hotel and, like, go in the lobby, but don't leave the hotel.
1: Which, after telling the kids that the hotel is only two blocks away... Or the museum. The museum, yeah, was only two blocks away, set it up because once... Ben was gone out of the room. they were planning their trip to the museum. Well, at least Sari was. Sari was, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Gabe had apprehensions about doing it, but then he figured, well, it's close. He'll see cool stuff. And he can leave a note. Right. He's like, what we'll do this time is we'll do it right. We'll leave a note so he knows where to find us. Mm -hmm. And plus, if they're going to the museum, his uncle knows people there. So it's not like they're going somewhere where his uncle doesn't know people that could watch over them. Yeah. So, they're not doing anything too bad in going? No, because they're leaving a note this time. Right, and like I said, it is somewhere where his uncle knows people who could watch over them. It's not like they're like, oh, we're going to randomly go to some store or explore a market in a strange place, right? Yeah, but they were
1: specifically told not to not leave, to the, leave hotel. the hotel. And at the museum, <clears throat> Gabe learns that Sari is a little bit squirmish. Yeah. So based on his knowledge of mummies and the preservation of mummies, he goes into details and Sari looks like she's going to show up and pass out.
0: And he was like, dude, your dad does this for a living. Have you
1: got any idea? Why
0: don't you already know this? Like he's shocked that this is what makes her sick and that she doesn't know it. And he's like, well, she starts to say, well, no, because my dad knows I. And then trails off because they see one of
1: the workers, Ahmed. Yeah, he is a uh, visitor from the museum, or not the museum, the university. He's a scholar, mm-hmm. and he is part of the dig to interpret ancient runes. Yes, he's overlooked. and hieroglyphics. The yep, mm-hmm. yep, and he comes highly, highly recommended.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So he appears, and the kids get frightened because they're already a little bit off about him. I think.
0: Yeah, because he was the one who didn't like them. Um, going into the new area that's supposed to activate the curse the sacred part of the tomb and so because he's a little more superstitious and off-putting and didn't seem that friendly uh, Sari immediately doesn't feel good that he's staring at
1: them right so they start to run and he starts to chase
0: now this is really well done because this chase like they get embarrassed that they ran away from him because, like, it is someone their dad knows. Yeah. And when they say things like, oh, he was running after them and yelling in a way that seemed threatening, that could have
1: easily just been frantic because he had come to see the kids and... Yeah, and he was, <clears throat> he was not trying to scare them, he was just wondering why they are running from him. Yeah. Yeah. So, he tells the kids that he's there because of Ben to pick them up and bring them to the hotel. Back to the hotel. And sorry, this could have been a place where sorry could have tested, Ahmed, because immediately they like have um, verbal spill and they say, "Oh, dad must have seen the note we left for him and sent you to come get us."
0: And <clears throat> he was like, "Yeah, that's it. we to exactly go right. back to the hotel." And from the moment he says, "Come with me," I'm gonna take you back because your father, like all these warning bells went off. Oh yeah. Well, at least for me reading it. Um, And this is a really good example of trusting your instincts, Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, they didn't like the way this stranger made them feel, enough that they were willing to run from him over nothing. Right. So when they, I understand feeling embarrassed, but, and you can always apologize after if you're wrong, but it pays to go with your good instinct, because this is the first time we've seen since the first book an adult who didn't have your best interests in mind right and this is a really common way that people abduct children they right. say oh I'm a friend of your parents or I know your parents and I'm here
1: because <clears throat> well he even they know that he knows Ben too so like that kind of set him up into a position of trust yes and because they
0: know for a fact he's someone his parents know but not everybody has your best interest in heart because he 100%
1: No, and like you can look up some kidnapping stories, and a lot of the time it's like a family. Somebody that
0: knows the family. Yeah.
1: So this is like a stranger danger moment. Um, The first instinct that Gabe got was that they were walking in the wrong direction because he has a really good sense of direction, and he felt that they weren't going towards the hotel. Yeah, they were going towards a car, according to Ahmed. Yeah, and he's
0: like, oh, well, because my car's parked over here. And he's like, well, the hotel's only two blocks away. Yeah. Like, he's like, we could walk there. We'll meet you there.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. I insist. I'll take you. Right. So they get in the car and they start driving. And Gabe is, once again, saying, we're going in the wrong direction. We're not going towards the hotel.
0: Yeah. We're going away from the hotel. And there's only certain moments where he can speed because traffic is bad and he's honking his horn a lot. Just like everybody else on the street. So uh, this was really clever. It was. It was
1: quick, too. Very quick.
0: Yeah. he He's like, you know, next stop. So instead of doing up his seatbelt, he's just sort of holding it. Mm-hmm. And the next time the car has to slow down and basically come to a stop. abort. board ship they open the doors and run out
1: yeah good
0: on them yeah
1: yeah so uh, when they get out they make sure that both of them are out and then they start running away from the car
0: and they just blindly run oh yeah yeah they have no idea where they are no they feel lost yeah so Gabe has another really good idea actually yeah here's a cab
1: and cabs would be somebody that would speak be more um, likely to speak other languages right because of the people that they deal with yeah and this one kind of i understand the the issue with this because when gabe told the cab driver where to take him he starts laughing so because of everything that they've just been through their mind goes to worst case scenario
0: yeah and sorry automatically thinks oh my god he must be somehow working
1: with a med rush and then the cab driver points across the street and he's like there's your hotel yeah so he's like but they were so panicked they didn't see how close they were to it no. And I've been like that in Disney World when I've been uh, not feeling well from a certain ride. <laughs> teacups. Oh, I'll let uh, it out Jen. That was not the teacups. So was the, uh, <laughs> it was the Space Tours. It was. But I can only said that because remember that time it's awesome like, so we got sick from the teacups. Yeah, almost. that was both of us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me under the bus. I'm taking you with me. Yeah, no space Space Tours don't. Just don't. Um. So like the cab driver is like literally crying himself. Yes. He's laughing so hard. So the kids get out, they walk to the hotel and they're like, okay, we're safe. They go into the room and they notice that nothing's moved. Ben has not been there. The note is still on so the table. All of it was a lie. All of it. But like <clears throat> I've got this my note in capital letters saying this. This is the point where the kids are like, hey, and that wasn't sent by dad. Something is going on. Mm-hmm. Not the gut instinct, not the getting kidnapped in a car, not going in the wrong direction and having to jump out of the car. This is what set them off. Sweet Lord.
0: (laughs) But, you know, they were very panicked and this is now when they had the minute to stop and think about it.
1: It And they really thought, yeah,
0: and they really had the chance to think about how much he lied to them because they really did go very trustingly
1: with him. Yeah. But I guess mean, this is like confirmation that, okay, so we were right. Something is going on. But like this is the moment you're like oh, Ben didn't send him at all. The whole thing was a sham. And it's like, well probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody tells the truth. Sorry kids. Um so Ben arrives shortly afterwards. Like immediately afterwards. Yeah. And he comes in, he's He's a little bit distraught after his visit to the hospital because the two workers, they weren't poisoned by toxic anything. They didn't fall down a hole. He's so distraught. He doesn't hear what they're trying to
0: tell him first. No, to the point where Gabe actually stops and says, okay, what is up with the workers?
1: Yeah, Um, they're frightened. They're like in a state of pure and utter shock
0: apparently something really terrible happened to them, but they're unable to say what, because they're traumatized. Mm -hmm. And so, and they're being treated for, like, something, but he's not sure what they're being treated for. Right. I mean, he probably can't get too many details on account of, you know, he's not family and
1: stuff like that. But they would have to tell him something, because he is the employer on this site, so if there was something dangerous in that area... They've had yeah. to So basically they've told him it seems like something
0: has <coughs> frightened them, but they're not sure. Very much a cloud of mystery. Yeah, and he thinks that perhaps somebody has uh,
1: done something to sabotage the site mm-hmm. on purpose to frighten people away. So his immediate mindset is I have to go to the work site, and he's not listening to Gabe or Sorry. So sorry bursts in and says, We were almost kidnapped. Yeah. Ahmed took us, and they go through the story and the whole time they're going through the story, whenever they have a break and what they're telling Ben, Ben repeats Ahmed. Look, he is in complete and utter shock that somebody so highly recommended working for the university done this. Yeah,
0: he doesn't seem the type to him.
1: Right, so he's like... He's still
0: in shock about the fact that this trusted colleague who he'd been working with up to now tried to take his
1: kids and there's no connection being made
0: no he's not connecting it to and somebody's trying to scare people away at the site and why would he try to take my children? like clearly i would think that was related wouldn't you i mean it kind of happened i mean they were separate incidents but he was present at both of them if there's one sabotage at one place and then another sabotage happens in your personal life right after that one, it kind of seems likely that there might be a connection there, that someone is trying to keep you away
1: from the site. Yep. So he goes to check out the site and see if he can figure out what has them frightened. But on the way, when they decide that they're going to do this, the atmosphere changes. They talk about the weather all lush, like How dry it is. <clears throat> and the clouds coming in. And the sun being blocked out, it doesn't state that it's going into nightfall. It just states that the being it becoming clouded over, um, gives the whole area a different um, feeling. Yeah, yeah. and he even says as he's going
0: in, oh, the hole seems smaller to go down this time. He's like, but it's probably my mood.
1: Yeah. Um, So this is like very much a setting the scene, and it's
0: very much a contrast because they also talked about and they talked about it a bit the first time too, how. Uh, much darker and cooler and damper it is down inside the pyramid, naturally, anyway. And uh, that's a neat contrast because when it very first starts the book, and I made note of this because it was a really good comparison, or well, description, I should say, um, was that it was so bright and everything was so yellow and so dry Mm -hmm. that even the sky looks dry,
1: is what he says. So, like, this is a complete flip. On how the book opened. Yes. Yeah, I very much fell into that because usually if, when the plot changes to a more darker scenario, the weather turns with it to help create the atmosphere and stories. Yeah, and it
0: does that a lot, particularly in Goosebumps, mm-hmm. um, especially if we go back to um, the uh, Say Cheese and Die.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. And Dead House.
0: Yes. But Say Cheese and um, Dead House because the fight with Spider happens, or no, Say Cheese and Die because the fight with Spider happens mm-hmm. uh, when it's raining outside, yep. so they use that as part of their cover story, mm-hmm. w- and in Say Cheese and Die, uh, Screaming, in the monster, um, sorry, Horrorland series, yep. because when she's taking the walk and like, the sky gets ominous and it starts to rain, and this is when she's trying to return the camera.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool. I enjoy that. It's my, my level of cheese right there. <laughs> Um, so before they all go into the pyramid, um, Ben gives the kids beepers, signaling devices. If you get separated at any point in time, press the button and it'll send a signal to him, <coughs> excuse me, and, uh, he can find the kids. Yeah, A radio signal. And the reason
0: he's doing this sort of extreme precaution is because they're the only people there. There's no other workers. Mm-hmm. It's just supposed to be the three of them.
1: Right. So on the trek in, Gage, shoelace comes untied again. Of course. And Sari and Ben are too wrapped up in their argument that they don't hear Gabe tell him that they need to stop for for him to wait up. And Um, he loses them. Again. Again. So as he's trying to catch up, he's calling out to him. There's no flashlight signs. There's no sounds. And he's too chicken to use his beeper because he doesn't want to seem like he's afraid. But he should have used the beeper. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. he ends up falling through a loose bit of floor. Right, so he takes the left at the fork, and I assume the other two take a right. And that's where the floor collapses. Which goes into my later problem, which we'll, we will get to. <laughs> um, but he falls to the floor, and he hurts himself and gets knocked out. Yeah. So when he comes to, he finds his flashlight and a hand, which is attached to the first real mummy that he sees. And then he explores a little bit more and he sees that the room is actually filled with mummies, all haphazardly just in different
0: patterns. And he thought it was weird that they would be stacked in such weird different positions and ways and and yeah. as he's describing like all the linen and the tools and he's like everything looks like it's been untouched. Like it's been untouched for four thousand years. And I'm sitting there while he's describing that thinking, none of that would be that clean. None of it. No. The linen wouldn't be that good quality. You wouldn't be able to touch it. It would like disintegrate. Yep. Everything would look terrible and in shambles if it had been left in a room with no air underground in yep. dampness for like
1: 4,000 years. And bugs. And there is a scorpion's nest in that room as he's about to find out. Yeah. He stumbles upon that. Good job kid. Um, and he can't see what's going around his feet immediately he can't put off the radio buzzer
0: because that broke when he fell yeah his flashlight is cutting in and out and he can't see for a little while because that also took its second hit because yeah. this is the second time he's dropped it and this yep. was a big drop yep and so he feels something on the ground and he's freaking out and he starts to trip forward further into more of whatever this is he feels next to him
1: Mm-hmm and uh around his feet gets really busy he feels like he's being snapped at and things are going in between his legs
0: and just as he's about to trip and fall face first he gets caught from behind again
1: Yeah. so um that is sorry yeah surprise it's sorry she, she got celebrated again she took a wrong
0: turn this time yep um while wh- what was it she says her father's doing um. Let me see.
1: Did I write that down? I didn't write it down. I think she just got separated. I didn't either. Anyway,
0: she gets separated from her dad. Um. And oh, while they're looking for him. Mm-hmm. So they notice he's gone, and they go looking for him. And they split up because I think she's supposed to use the. I mean, they never explicitly say, but I think she's supposed to use the beeper, and she she's following him. She's following his voice. He gets ahead of her. And then all of a sudden, she can't figure out where her dad is. But
1: she finds uh, Gabe in time to save her life, or save his life. And they use her beeper. At least stop him from falling into scorpions. Come this way a little bit out of the scorpion nest before you die. Just a suggestion. Yeah. So she presses her beeper. Right. Um, She does it twice. Signal. Yes. Yeah. Which I immediately thought, like, if she pressed it once, it went on, and if she pressed it twice, it maybe turned it off. So. You know how well, you I do don't think things? it. Yeah, I, I don't think it works quite that way. I think once
0: it's pressed, it's kind of on, and she didn't need to press it the second time. She just did it for security. Yeah, but how would you turn
1: it off then? Because then the receiver would be continuously going off. It would. Yeah, you would think you would push the button again to make it go off. Yeah, but I don't really. know I think how she that did works. that out of nerves though, yeah. just to make sure. Like, okay, not only am I doing this and doing this twice, so it's done. So they hear voices, and well, I a voice, voice. And, and they instantly think, oh, it's banned. Perfect, he wasn't that far away. Wrong. It's a man. Yeah. And the chamber belongs to the priestess. Yes, it belongs to the
0: priestess who uh, governed over the area and who was in command under that who pharaoh. Put the curse on the tomb. And it was her rule on the tomb. It's priestess Kala. Kala, yeah. And it's. Um, it's her sacred area where you know worship and practices and whatever were supposedly conducted which
1: i don't understand her sacred beca- chamber i don't understand that because the size of the pool of tar like when you go into egyptian history just like the films and very basic lore stuff you don't hear about tar pits in the pyramids no um, I would need
0: to look that up, and I wondered about that too, and we never really had time, so this is probably something we'll yeah. research for the next, like, and let you know in the next video, when we do the next book, but, like, tar seemed weird and unlikely and not something that I remembered using, because, like, they they embalmed, right? Yeah like they dried out the bodies and they pulled everything like all the organs and everything it was like an ancient form of embalming because there was no embalming fluid so they just and they found a way to make sure everything properly dried out
1: yeah so having tar in that room and that amount of tar kind of set up a red flag for me like i needed to do a little bit of searching. yeah tar i feel like is
0: probably a modern thing that got added it's it, it was a convenient plot twist yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, might have been added there just for the letter. There's a few things I want to look up about this, actually. Because there's a few things about this whole scenario that's about to
1: sort of make sense yes. and also not make sense. Yes, the convenient plots. <coughs> so, um, Ahmed says that the curse must be carried out. So immediately when he said that, I knew that the curse wasn't anything to do with the tomb itself or anything- that's been embodied by the tomb. It's man-made. It is man-made and it's kind of like a legacy for the descendants. Yes, and in
0: true super villain fashion, he explains how it's a legacy and it's been done by his descendants because they're descendants of the priestess. And that
1: he was a direct descendant. Yes. Right, so that was uh, that was pretty interesting, but it makes sense. Yeah, to and him. I instantly wondered, like,
0: you know, I, 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 and I wrote it down in my notes too because when he was talking about it, I was like, man, how many mummies has he made? like yeah. or his family made over the years So the room was full yeah and then all of a sudden he was like as he was explaining and he was like getting things ready and he like lit the tar on fire he was like oh by the way i made that mummy over there and he points to one near the tar pit like covered in tar still
1: hmm. was it covered in tar i thought the was just still really new
0: there was still tar on it but okay. as you looked around he started to
1: notice After he said that, a couple of the bandages did look newer on some of the mummies. So in 4,000 years, the descendants of this priestess was taking out tomb robbers and trespassers and-
0: Anybody who went too far into the tomb, far enough to be looking for whatever the
1: sacred treasure was. So this is not a curse, because I put curses in the same category as lore. This is more or less, this is a tradition or a promise kept by this family.
0: Yeah, it's. It, but it's still a curse. It's still, I don't know, I liked that idea of a curse, that, you know, oh, the curse must be seen to, it must be upheld. You know what I mean? Anyone who yeah. goes too far must be frightened away or, or otherwise taken care of. Like, it, it was very much a... This is how curses get started, right? Nobody actually dies from a curse they die from an unknown disease or they die from some form of exposure or from somebody doing something like this and that's what makes a curse right see i was
1: going towards like the curse as like when king tot was found and they released something in the tomb and a bunch of people got sick and people died early and stuff but it wasn't they didn't die in exact correlation because another one of their pairs killed them it yeah. was because of something in the tomb but because this was a man-made kind of like a serial killer type thing yeah, yeah, very, very much a serial killer <laughs> like whole family um i i i thought it kind of missed the curse stage just because of how i categorize it in my head
0: yeah but for me like it, it made sense yeah. it's part of how a curse comes to life
1: yeah yeah no i understand that yeah for sure um so and then plans on turning the kids into mummies and then ben shows up and he's like uh uh-uh, uh, girlfriend <laughs> and he comes down the rope ladder and he uh he listens to Sari being really scared and he approaches Ahmed and tries to reason with him
0: yeah and tries to reason with him from an intellectual point of view right? because he sees him being crazy and he wants to de-escalate the passion yeah. so he's kind of like you know, one scientist to another. We can work this out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, we can intellectually figure out the situation and how to get around it. And um, Ahmed is just too far gone, down to crazy town. He's got his, you know, dancing pants on. He's ready to go. So, um, he puts Ben in a in a mummy's case. Yes, he then, knocks him out first. Yeah, knocks him out first and drags him in and then puts the two kids in another one. Which, the mummy's case seems really, really big because... They said they could sit down. They're sitting down like with the legs yeah, crossed. they
0: talked about how, like, I know they're super petite children. Yeah. And they do make reference to, like, because of their heritage and stuff, they're naturally more petite than most people. But and I don't, as children, they'd be extra petite.
1: But I don't think this these cases are that big for two kids to be in. And be able to both sit down on top of each other cross-legged. It's just a bit much. And they said that they could lie down in it, too. Yeah, he said there was enough room for both of them to lie down if they wanted. So I'm thinking it's more like a mausoleum tomb, like you see kind of in, I'm going to refer to TV shows other than real life, because we don't have a lot of that here, um, where it's like a couple of feet off the ground, and it's like really long, so like little kids could sit well, in there. Well, they said
0: they had to walk down into it. So, mm. it was definitely more of a passageway, because it was wooden. He opens the door, they talk about stepping down into the yeah. coffin, or casket, and then having to... So, it wasn't like a traditional sarcophagus, because... And that's what I was thinking. I yeah, think. and it was also definitely something more modern-ish, mm-hmm. um, because
1: it was constructed out of wood. And they keep on referring to how everything is peeling and it smells weird, how old it is, but... And there's bugs everywhere, but I
0: mean, you look at a wood down in a damp place like that, and I'm like, how long has that been there? Maybe 40 years?
1: Yeah, unless it's like, dry, it's not,
0: It's not ancient. No. Um, or it would have rotted way more than that by now. Well, the
1: bugs were beating right through it, too. Yeah. So, um, suddenly, Ben arrives in their casket... From behind them, they like freak out, and so it's like,
0: man, how big is this casket anyway? <laughs> I know we keep asking this: how big is this graveyard?
1: How big is this basement? Yeah. How big is that headboard covered? <laughs> how big is this freaking casket? So when Ben joins them in this, I'm <laughs> thinking, okay, this is like a cellar,
0: <laughs> where you put root. It's issues. actually, yeah, it's actually a secret cellar. Yeah. Hmm.
1: <laughs> I wonder what so, they needed the ancient root cellar for, right? Just the store their wine by. So, Ben's like, these things have trap doors, and Ben is not aware of it. This is, or, well, he's forgotten it in
0: his heated passion or whatever, but here's here's my problem with this, because Uncle Ben's sarcophagus is an actual old sarcophagus. Mm -hmm. It is one that is built into the wall, it is very big. It's not like a loose one. Mm-hmm. You can move the lid, but like from the way it's described, it seems like it's very much part of the wall, yeah. right? Old stone one like that that would be part of the same stone wall that's behind it. I could see that having a release trap and being an actual secret mm-hmm. passage, and I could see him getting lucky and it being one of those instead of a regular sarcophagus. One hundred percent. I'm like, you know, I'll have suspension of disbelief for that plot convenience. Yeah. However, for their weird wooden, wooden one. one, that's clearly not as old, that's not stone, that does isn't isn't described as being built into the wall the same way as the other one, Yeah. it seems really weird that that also has an escape hatch on the side of it that they can squeeze out of.
1: And I'm immediately thinking of one of those like little swinging doors that you put in for the cats. This is like a little swinging trap door in the back and the uncle has to squeeze through it because he's a full-grown adult. Um, so that, that just seemed weird. Very it, weird. It was very weird. Yeah. Yeah. So all three of them get out of the cases and just look at the ladder and they're like, okay, we don't have enough time to escape through the ladder because it takes time and you got to do one person at a time going up. So we'll make a run for it in the tunnel. And then Ahmed shows up. So Ahmed catches them and he's like, Pharaoh is not impressed. You shall burn to death in the tar.
0: Well, I mean priestess, I think he says. Yeah. She's like extra angry and i like, the tar
1: is heated up now. Oh, and we're good to go. You yeah. Know? You're not having your brain scrambled and pulled out through your nose. You're actually going in the tar pit.
0: Yeah, he's changed his mind. He's yeah. not going to use the tar for whatever purpose it had in the mummification. I, do I don't know if it was to secure bandages or... He said something about earlier too
1: about... This is how people used to get boiled alive, and I don't know how true that is. And if you put them in there to be boiled alive, well, they said you had to bring the tart to the boiling point. If you're putting somebody in tart, it's sticky. So if you're having the intention of pulling somebody out after they've been boiled alive, you're going to have a lot and of sticky And he held them, the workers over the fire. And that's how,
0: and to show them what it would be like to be boiled alive in ancient times, and that's what made them so terrified, but like, I don't know, I have problems with this entire tar pit scenario. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, well, I'm just going to straight up kill you because the priestess is too angry.
1: Right, so one at a time, you're going to jump into this tar pit. I'm telling you now, he might get one of them to jump in at a fair, or he might push one of them in. Yeah, he's like, if you don't jump, I'm going to push you in. Yeah, but somebody's going to take him down. Like, the last person is not going to jump in that pit after he sees first two people burned in it. So Ben takes a run at him. Yeah. But he's still, you know,
0: concussed, heavily concussed. Oh, yeah. So um, he's easy enough to shove away. He's not much of a threat anymore. No, and he hurts himself and he goes down. And so then Sari goes to make her run at him, but um, Gabe is like, well you know, kind of holds her back a bit, and is like, hang on. And he's trying to think what to do, and he knows, he's like, okay, this guy's crazy about all this ancient mummy stuff. I've still got my good luck charm. The summoner. So he holds up the mummy hand and just, like, doesn't know what else to do because he's terrified, and he's hoping to get his attention and distract him from trying to push them in the fire.
1: And, because he's clearly a superstitious man. Oh, yeah. So even if, worst case scenario the symbol of it frightened him, they still would have had some time to get up and kind of plan something. And apparently
0: he he starts getting very frightened just because it's been raised, and he doesn't know why, and he's like, because, I mean, he's back on to what's happening here. <clears throat> yeah, It's not going to just yet. And all of a sudden he screams, it's the hand of the priestess. I don't think it actually had anything to do with the priestess. I think that was just part of his fervor. Because that would have been yeah. one, one way too many coincidences that he bought something related to that particular tomb yeah. in the U.S. I think that was just his fevered mind going, oh, it must have been a relic from the priestess yeah. or something. Let's scare
1: Ahmed. <laughs> this is the way to do it. But the mummies in the background start coming to life or moving one by one. And Gabe starts to hear this scrape, scrape as they're moving. So he looks, and this
0: is why Ahmed is terrified. The mummies are moving. So a man
1: takes the torch that he has and throws it at them. And it bounced off the chest of one of them, catching the linens on fire. But they're already dead, so they can't feel anything. And they're just. He doesn't care. He just
0: keeps pushing forward. Yeah. And because they were all killed by either him or his family, that's why these people were mummified alive.
1: Yeah. Vengeance is coming.
0: Yeah, and that's all they think about. Oh yeah. So they don't even bother with Ben and Gabe and sorry. They just walk right
1: past them and they all start going for a med. Yep. Yeah. So that that's that's it. A med gets his come up and sprays his entire van. Well, they throw him into the boiling turf <laughs> Is <laughs> what they do. That's on fire. <laughs>
0: yep. And then instantly they go back to normal. They don't even walk. They it just they're just back to
1: normal. This reminded me this a man being thrown into the tar pit I immediately sent my mind to the mummy and uh the line, all naughty boys get their come <laughs> Sorry I'm a let level of a nerd, but yet that's where exactly my line went. I'm like, that line needs to be penciled in here. Um but yeah, everything just goes back to normal.
0: It's so much so that even though it just happened, Gabe was like, wait, did this just happen? Yeah. And they're all like, yeah, no, this just happened.
1: But you're it was normal now. listening. Yeah, okay.
0: but it's all normal
1: now. And Ahmed is gone, so like, let's get out of here. Yeah. No, see if he's okay. No you know, concern for him. It's just he was a bad man, and now he's gone. Let's leave. And they do. Yeah. And they go back, and they have supper, and they laugh, and they talk,
0: and they go to bed, and they have breakfast the next morning. None of them are properly discussing the fact that magic is real. Or that the dead walked. Or that a man died. This is just like... But mostly, this is an earth-shattering thing. Yeah. for a scientist, especially, who doesn't believe in superstitious things or curses. They want scientific proof. Or any of it. And all
1: of a sudden, oh, this made the dead move. Yep. Yeah. And they didn't, he didn't want to have the hand from Gabe. He didn't say it needed to be preserved or protected or not fall in the hands of somebody uh, who would abuse right. the didn't, power. He didn't
0: try to like low-key get it into a museum exhibit where nobody would think about using it or touching it. No. He just sort of let this kid keep it as his good luck charm, knowing it raises the dead.
1: Sweet <laughs> um, <coughs> Like that's a problem. Like, this kid has this very powerful... And it all happened so fast. And there's magic
0: in something that there was no magic in up to this point. Yeah. That this is like an earth-shattering revelation in this book.
1: And Ben being in the career that he's in with the education that he has, he should have said something. He should have said this must be And he says, he stops and he says, and
0: he has a quick closer look at it and goes, Huh... And I'm a scientist! I didn't even notice it was real. And it's like, my dude, not only did you not notice it was real, because like that stuff is probably easy enough to fake, oh, and yeah. you probably wouldn't realize it was real offhand unless you, you would, were really looking at your it. Your mind wouldn't go in that direction. But also, magic is real. Let's address the fact... That things just did an impossible thing that should never happen And
1: this was uh, a mummy's hand that a 12 year old a small 12 year old child would rub in his fingers so like this thing is probably about the size of like a, a cat's paw or like a small dog's paw
0: well yeah a little bigger anyway so it's clearly like a but, child's hand or
1: something yeah it's something that he can put in his hand and he can rub with his fingers and something he can put in his pocket mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's, it wouldn't be the priestess hand unless the priest, priestess Unless the was, priestess
0: was a child.
1: Yeah, and died as a child. Which, I mean, clearly
0: she didn't, because, you know, the way she's talked about, it, she would have had to have been older. Yeah. That being said, I mean, it was somebody's hand. We don't know that it was necessarily the priestess's hand, but it was some sort of mm. magical ties somewhere hand, because... I mean, clearly a child had died and been mummified, and this was their hand because it would have to be small enough.
1: Have to be something, but like, if it was a real mummy's hand, wouldn't there be like some sort of like odor or decay or something on it? You would think, or like, also with him touching it all the time, it like, would disintegrate because
0: of all oils and stuff yeah. in your skin. And the way he's always rubbing it and touching it, I don't know, rules of magic. It's somehow protected.
1: And a child keeping something in his pocket, you know that thing went through the washer and dryer. Oh, at least once or twice. Oh yeah, like, so, like, that part of it doesn't make sense. And going back to the other problem that I had, is that Uncle Ben uh, flashes a permit to get past the guard. And there's no question or quarrels about the kids going in. This is an active dig site. This is dangerous. But, I mean, the kids are clearly with him, but still. Yeah. You would think they'd be like, here's
0: some hard hats.
1: Yeah. Or something. Keep your kids on a short leash. Don't leave your uncle. You could go missing, you could fall through the floors, he Also, well, why wasn't there
0: more security?
1: Where was the security when a maid got in there? And there was no showing of like I mean, a I f- know he
0: would have had a badge too, being part of the site, but still
1: And there's no talk about a fence being around the pyramid either. So like is the guard just standing uh in like this little shack and letting people pass in and the people can still come around the other sides. So like this to me looking at it as like an adult Perspective is like this is a lawsuit, this is an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, and the kids got lost, they got scared, they fell through the floor, they got well, I'm gonna say kidnapped again because a med came in threatening their lives. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I just don't think that would pass.
0: No, but I mean plot holes and weird little inconsistencies aside because sometimes there's security around the pyramid and sometimes there's not we don't Mm. really know what that security is because the security wasn't there because it doesn't say there's a fence
1: and the security wasn't there like there was no bash flashing or passing security when they went back the second time no it's all very but this is adults looking at a child's book like the child yeah. will follow the story, it's entertaining. You needed to know what you had to at the
0: time to make things flow and make sense and seem like it was real world applicable. Yeah. And in terms of that, I found the setup really good. I did, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that it wasn't something supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that once we discovered it was something supernatural, or there was something else supernatural but not the supernatural thing you thought it was gonna yep. be, um, at the very end, I found the end clued up too fast.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like cut and try. It like, okay, so this major event happened, everything's hunky-dory, books end. There's no goosebumps cliffhanger. Um, no, they actually see to this one, they do another jump
0: scare. They have, like, the parents come in right at yeah. the end after he <laughs> pretends to summon, yeah. like, spirits. And he's playing with this clearly... Actual thing and he shouldn't be saying that to the point where even like Ben is terrified He knocks (laughs) over a glass of juice because now there's somebody at the door and then they open the door and it's his parents and that's it Yeah, so it's not the usual
1: cliffhanger ending, but it's a jump scare. Yeah,
0: but it was a weak Weak ending like I even wrote down he pretends to summon spirits hear sounds at the door and it's his parents Womp womp and scene (laughs)
1: Like, even in a you like, that Halloween episode when you get the knock on the door after the mask has been yeah. used. It's the dead. So I was expecting something. Just yeah. something to kind of be like... Oh, and honestly, good. I'm
0: kind of relieved it wasn't the usual cliffhanger ending because some of those were kind of weak sauce anyway. Mm-hmm. But this ending wasn't any better. It wrapped up too quickly. Like, instead of talking about them just having breakfast and doing things really quick as if everything was normal, mm. I would have rather have had at least a small discussion while they were getting back to normal and having breakfast before his parents came in about, you know, this happened and about them sort of like at least discussing it more. because they the really parents, even. Yeah, they really barely even mentioned it to each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I would think they would want to talk about how, you know... This is real, and maybe it ends with, well, we don't know what we're going to do with the hand yet, but we'll figure something out, or... Well, what else can this do? I mean, just... Yeah. It's never looked at again <clears throat> or taken seriously as an actual powerful
1: magic object. Or even I um, have, like, a little break in the page where it comes down with a new paragraph, saying, like, the guard was suddenly surprised when hordes of bandaged... Uh, people started walking past him so like he, the child yeah, was in the so room like, summoning all this stuff being like haha I'm having fun and then all of a sudden mummies are coming up in yeah. the tomb <laughs> just kind of like a something that was like related because if he's there saying I summoned," this and that but happen. also I
0: don't know that you would necessarily play around with it in that way that quickly after something like that that terrifying no.
1: happened because it was powerful right yeah
0: Um, you'd be a little more weary about it before you started doing that with it, I would think. And
1: for somebody who scares as easily as he do, he kind of jumped on that one pretty fast.
0: Yeah, he was very, I mean, he does get braver, Mm -hmm. and in the right ways, but yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our next book? Yes. Is Let's Get Invisible. Woo, hold that a little higher. (laughs) Let's Get Invisible, right in the center um i got my book second hand so it looks like um edward scissorhands used to own it i'm not sure if i actually have this one or not okay well i'll give you pieces of mine because it's been cut through <laughs> i'm gonna have to uh summon my inner uh frankenstein and put this monster back together before i read a lot of tapes gonna be involved i put some tape on the cover just to get it here because it's pretty much cut through you're definitely <laughs> gonna need another copy i mean at some yeah. point oh yeah like it's cut through like the first like 10 pages who, who lets their kid play with the knives? <laughs> um, so, do you want to read the back of this one? Let me do it. I mean awesome? Sure.
0: Disappearances can be deadly. On Max's birthday, he finds a sort of magic mirror in the attic. It can make him become invisible. So, Max and his friends start playing, now you see me, now you don't. Until Max realizes that he's losing control, staying invisible a little too long, having a harder and harder time coming back. Getting invisible is turning into a very dangerous game. The next time Max gets invisible, will it be forever? Dumb, dum, dum. <laughs> Um,
1: This is the second time that invisibleness comes into the Goosebumps series.
0: Yeah, because it happened with the camera.
1: Yep, yeah, with Sherry. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is going to be an interesting read. Do you remember reading this one?
0: I don't remember reading this one. I might have. I don't know. I don't know because I don't remember even if I used to own this one or not. Mm-hmm. Now, our school library had them, so even if I didn't have them, I could still get them from the school library and read them, but I nothing comes to mind with this one.
1: I didn't have this one, I know that. I think most of mine that I had were in the teens, like the middle of the series, teens and 20s. I don't think I had a lot of the earlier ones. Um, I know I didn't have this one, but I, if it's a TV show, I probably did watch it because I did watch a lot of the Goosebumps ones.
0: I only watched like very little of the Goosebumps show. Uh, right before we leave, um, fewer questions. Was there anything you wanted to ask of the audience? Um,
1: <clears throat> did you find any plot holes other than the ones that we mentioned, or any questions along the way? <laughs> like how big was that casket? Oh yeah, <laughs> settle that argument for us, please. <laughs> what type of <clears throat> casket was that
0: even that was being described? They had to step down into it. I don't know. I don't get it. It. Yeah, it was weird. Um, But if you noticed any other weird little things like that, that maybe we glossed over or didn't quite get
1: to, let us know. Or have more information about how the, the caskets would be set up. Would they have trapdoors? Yeah. Are we wrong for questioning the tar if pit?
0: If you know the answers to any of these things, we would love to know. In the meantime, we will look up for the, before the next book mm-hmm. if tar pits were used in ancient Egypt or not. I have a sneaking <laughs> suspicion probably not, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. The other thing I noticed and that I made a point of that I wanted to say before we left Mm -hmm. was early on in the book within the first few pages, page three, he's making fun of his father's weight. He is. It gets mentioned. And I'm noticing this more and more now because I noticed it in the Monster Blood series before we got to that terrible Say and Die book. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of mocking people when they're overweight in these books that i didn't realize was there when i was reading it as a kid that now i'm noticing i like i noticed it a bit in the monster blood series but i was willing to think you know it's a one-time thing and maybe this isn't a recurring thing but then it happened so disastrous like disasterfully, in the month, in the, sorry, the Say Cheese and Die series. Like, Say Cheese and Die, the second one, was just horrific. Like, that was the point of that book, which Mm -hmm. is just terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, That I'm starting to notice it whenever he does that to characters now. And, like, they needlessly mock his father's weight. But they didn't mention the weight of anybody else. No. So, we know that his father is overweight, and they make a point to make a point of it mm mm-hmm. for no reason no. it doesn't come into anything the parents aren't there for the rest of the book no what was the point of that and so yeah I'm noticing little things like that now that I didn't before like in addition to brands when they get mentioned because it's just sort of it's a kind of bullying thing it is and I don't like it and I didn't and I want to see how much of it is like subconsciously sprinkled throughout these books in little ways because like, that adds up after it's so many books, you so know? So we're at three now? Four, if we count two of the Monster Blood books and not just one. Yeah. But they do it in that series, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it is a feature of the Monster Blood. It makes you bigger.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> no, but they also talk about, like, some of the bullies and how some of them are bigger, too. Oh, yeah. And That's then true. it does it with the teacher. So yeah. it happens in two of the Monster Blood books. So is at four. Yeah, so that's four books. Like, it's kind of, like, one was over the top. Yeah. And and that really made me go, how often is this going to be a thing now? So I'm sort of looking out for it.
1: We'll see if that happens in uh, Let's Get Invisible.
0: Yeah, we'll see if it's there Mm -hmm. or not.
1: Yeah. I'm sure I'll notice (laughs) it now that I'm I'm looking for it.
0: I know that we're back into the swing of the book club. Uh, If you want to see us for Let's Get Invisible on the 15th, Of February? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We know time. Um, You can find us in the meantime online. Mm -hmm. Um, You are on Twitter. I am coffee underscore with underscore Jen with one N. And I'm a glitter macaroon with one T and two ooze. And that will be down in the description of the video. And don't forget to hashtag uh, your comments on Twitter. With GBC Ghost Next Door. Yes. We will read them, we will find them, we will incorporate them into the discussion. Uh, and we post there occasionally as well. We do, yes. We always announce when the new video is coming out, if there's going to be delays. Mm-hmm. Twitter is actually a great place to keep track of the book club. It is, yeah. So on that note, reader beware, you're in for a
1: scare. <laughs> and I'm glad you have the other book because I don't. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, I have a running joke that I'm going to go with this one when I show it up. And we'll get to that. Okay. okay. I thought about it when I was online at McDonald's. <laughs> and <laughs> and you're like, know? yes, it's perfect. I thought about something other than food while I was waiting for food.